You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Oh, and making alleged false statements about mortar security. Click TuscaloosaThread.com for more local news throughout the day. It's free. Don Hartley, Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Gary Harris Show. For this Wednesday, January 7, 2024, I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones is manning the controls, and uh, we are ready to go. Busy show this morning. We're going to start off in just a moment with the Bama Recruiting Report with Andrew Bone. It's National Signing Day. Matt Coulter on NASCAR returns at 10, and Bart Heights on Hoops at 1030. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. I should know I'm a member. You should become one, too. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, or get by and see them at one of their many locations around the great state of Alabama, including the home office right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama Credit Union Loans Real Life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Enjoy today and feel good about your money. And put extra change in your pocket. Let's get it started with recruiting. Bama Football Recruiting Report with our Bad to the Bone Recruiting Analyst, Andrew Bone, Senior Recruiting Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. It is National Signing Day, although certainly, as we've talked about the last few years, it's a lot different now with the majority of the signings being done in December. But it's uh, it's a big day for Alabama today. Good morning, Bone. How are you? Good morning, Gary. How's it going? Doing well. Let's start with the, the activity today. Alabama is adding three really good players to its 2024 class. Of course, uh, Ryan Williams, the do-everything wide receiver out of Saraland, Noah Carter, the edge rusher out of Peoria, Peoria, Arizona, and Quentin Reese, the linebacker out of Ramsey High School in Birmingham. So some activity today for Alabama, three really good players joining DeVore's first uh, 2024 recruiting class. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, you know it's sort of a slow day um, to Alabama standards, but that's that's a good thing. Uh, you know you don't want too much drama drama during the uh, during the late signing period. Um, you know Alabama you know could have entered this week. You know still waiting on Ryan Williams because Ryan had originally right. set to uh, sign on February the ninth, so we would have had to wait uh, waited a couple more days. But he decided you know shortly after. Um, after announcing his recommitment to Alabama, that uh, he was going to go ahead and sign. And then the Alabama was able to get uh, Noah Carter on board uh, after his official visit a few weekends ago. And and uh, then QB Reese, and state linebacker, uh, will also uh, sign his letter of intent today. So quiet day, but uh, but that's a good thing. And you you look back at the um, at the class they were able to sign back in December. And you know, I think the fact that, you know, most of those guys were already on campus uh, for bowl practice, or they arrived in January, and then Coach Saban retires. You only lose two out of that group, and I, I know, you know people are upset that Julian Sang left and Jameer Grimsley left, but to only lose two out of the unit that they just brought in and the guys that they're signing today, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty impressive. So a lot of uh, a lot of great talent that 
uh, Coach DeBoer and his staff can have, uh, be able to uh, work with and start off with from this 2024 class. Vaughn, uh, when this 2024 class is completed today for the majority of the schools, there'll be still some that, that have some guys going forward. But uh, where is Alabama going to going to wind up in the on-three rankings? Do you have that yet? They should end up number two. I don't think there's going to be any major changes in that regard. And I believe that that's probably number two across the board. Um, I hadn't really looked at any, any of the other sites, but I know that Alabama was sitting pretty steadily at number two, and uh, you know they should be there come um, come the end of the day. Um, you know, they were pretty close to number one. You, and you look at the class overall, whether you look at on three's rankings or the on three industry rankings, which um, uh, includes all the uh, all the major websites, uh, percentage of all the major websites in uh, in the final ranking. I mean, you have four players that are certain five-star type recruits in this class, maybe even you know, maybe even five. You have you know, Caleb Odom, who's the number one tight end in the, in the country, who's already on campus. You have your defensive back group, uh, Jalen Mbakwe, Xavier Brown, uh, Zay Mincy, all three ranked five-star recruits. And you know, that's, that's why I'm not too concerned about Jameer Grimsley ended up uh, going to Florida because if there was a position that Alabama could afford to lose, it was certainly – defensive back because they signed uh, seven defensive backs, plus they were able to get a, a five-star transfer in Damani Jackson. So um, it was a, a pretty outstanding group there. And, and then you have, uh, obviously, uh, the the, uh, the top player in the class, Ryan Williams, signing today, um, you know, who is a dynamic, you know, outstanding wide receiver. Probably, you know, I, this has been my 20th, recruiting class to cover and I would certainly say that he is right up there with the best players that I have seen uh in all my years and uh, he's ranked number five overall uh, in the on 300 um of course there's some it's probably one of the best wide receiver classes that we've seen in the last decade overall um you know with Jeremiah Smith who's going to Ohio State um uh, Cam Coleman who's going to Auburn uh, Terry Busey, who just uh, announced that he was sticking with LSU. Um, Micah Hudson, who's going to Texas Tech. I mean, it is a fabulous wide receiver class that we're probably going to, and not just be talking about this year, but we're going to be talking about um, over the next several years, whether it's you know, these guys in college or um, are talking about these guys when they go into the NFL draft in a few years. Bone, obviously, uh, Nick Saban staff. Um, put together the majority of this of this 2024 class, but as you alluded to, uh, Coach DeBoer and the new staff did a good job of of holding on to most of these guys. How much credit do you think they deserve for holding this class together? When I think there was a lot of you know perception out there that these guys were just going to bail out left and right, and that really didn't happen. Well, it, it could have. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I don't think people understand that that it could have easily happened. Um, a lot of these guys were, you know, the day that Coach Saban retired and, and the day following, there was a lot of uncertainty. And I, we, we had talked to a lot of parents uh, of members of the 2024 class that were already on campus 
they weren't sure what they were going to do as far as, you know, were they going to enter, enter the transfer portal? Were they going to listen uh, to what Coach DeBoer had to say? Um, you know, there was a lot of nervousness, especially for people, for, for kids that were out of state. And you had a lot of state guys uh, that signed with Alabama, and including guys from you know, all the way across the country from California. And, you know, we obviously saw one of those players doing things uh, leave, but there were other guys from California that didn't leave, that stayed, like Peyton Woodyard, um, you know, Damani Jackson, who had just transferred in, Xavier uh, Brown, you know, or you, you look in Florida um, or up the East Coast, there was a lot of different guys that could have easily entered the portal and had other opportunities, guys that were highly ranked uh, that could have easily gone somewhere else. So they gave this new coaching staff an opportunity to sell them uh, on the future of the program. And they sat down with them, uh, listened to what they had to say, believed in um, uh, in the message, and you know, they're going to trust the staff heading into uh, heading into spring practice. So you got to give a lot of credit to this staff coming in. It was kind of rocky uh, for about a week or so. But mm-hmm. started to step down, people started to buy in. Um, and I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but probably one of the most impressive things to me uh, was after this coaching staff kind of got settled, they went out on the road and saw uh, family members, parents of this 2024 class that had already arrived on campus and uh, met with them. I, mean, I think it was the first week they flew out to California to meet with uh, you know a lot of those guys' parents. You know, they kind of flew – uh, really everywhere, uh, just to say, hey, you know, this is who we are. We want y'all to meet us. Uh, you know, your kids are in good hands, and we're going to allow them, you know, still the best place for them. So I thought that was pretty impressive. And then they were able to bring um, the guys that had not enrolled early. Uh, Steve um, Bua Mua, um, you got uh, Amari Jefferson, Rico Scott, uh, Kevin Riley, Jay Lindsay. They were able to bring all those guys on campus on, I believe that was the 27th weekend, and sit down with each of them. And, and honestly, I don't know if – and we had talked about some of these guys being solid with their decision, but I don't know if they were really 100% solid until they were able to get into Tuscaloosa and sit down with the staff again or, or sit down with the staff for the first time and, um, and feel comfortable. I think once they sat down, Met with them, they went home, talked to them with their parents, and now all of them are, uh, you know, fully locked in. Andrew Bone with us for the Bama Football Recruiting Report. As an analyst, Bone, and talking with prospects and talking with parents and, and just watching Alabama's recruiting efforts, uh, what's your perception of Kalen DeBoer as a recruiter? I think one of the things that I've taken away over the course of the last couple of weeks from talking to recruits is just how personable he is. Um, yeah, he doesn't want to really start talking about football with you when you first sit down with him. He wants to get to know you as a person, uh, what makes you tick, what you like, um, rather than talking about you know why Alabama is a uh, a good fit for them, what they can do for them, um, you know, development wise, uh, you know, academic wise, all that good stuff. It's been more about getting to know these kids um, from the very start. Um, and then, I guess, kind of deciding, are these going to be high-character kids that you want to continue to pursue and, uh, and evaluate in the, uh, in the coming months? So that's been something. And, and even from talking to guys that have transferred into Alabama from Washington, 
talking to talking to Noah Carter, uh, who was a former Washington signee. He's now going to sign with Alabama today. I mean, it, it's really about the relationships that Coach DeBoer uh, builds with these guys, and and obviously Nick Saban was a you know will go down as one of the best recruiters of all time. But one thing that Nick Saban didn't really do is he wasn't texting, he wasn't calling uh, right. recruits on, on a consistent basis. Uh, you know, uh, a top recruit might have a conversation with Nick Saban once a month. Um, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case with Caleb and the board. It seems like it's going to be a, a kind of a weekly thing. Um, you know, he wants to build these relationships, connections with players. And obviously he's got to do the, do it because, uh, uh, it's a whole new ball game in the, in the Southeast and coming from where he's from. But, um, it seems like it's off to a great start, especially with Ryan Williams. We go, Ryan decommits from Alabama, uh, says that Alabama's, you know, probably not even going to get a, an official visit. And then he meets with, uh, with coach DeBoer after, uh, coming back from an official visit to Texas A&M. And all of a sudden his whole perspective changed again. And he was all, pretty much all Alabama after that first meeting uh, with Coach DeBoer. So that should say a lot. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of how this next 2025 class is going to gonna shape out because you know, we talked to a lot of different recruits who are in Tuscaloosa for, uh, for Junior Day this past weekend. You know, a lot of positive things uh, you know, from that. Uh, you know, a lot of positive comments about Coach DeBoer and the staff. And, um, you know, they're just getting started. Before I let you go, Bone, uh, 2025, of course, uh, is focused now. And uh, that was a class that was already on its way uh, to being another top class uh, under Nick Saban. A lot of those guys, most of those guys did decommit, as you would expect, with, uh, you know, a long time until December. But big junior day over the weekend for Alabama. A lot of guys were in. It seemed like a lot of positive momentum already being built by Kalen DeBoer and this staff for 2025. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think anytime you can get you know, a lot of juniors on campus, uh, start building those relationships, let them meet with the coaching staff, um, see uh, you know see everything that they haven't seen before, and you know, a lot of kids are visiting for the first time. I mean, you know, there were several kids from California, uh, Josiah Sharma, who was a six foot four, three hundred twenty pound defensive lineman from Folsom High School in California. Marcus Harris is a top 100 wide receiver from California. Uh, was also on campus, you know, getting guys like that into Tuscaloosa, meeting with the staff, uh, you know, visiting for the first time, obviously very big. You know, they also had Jakeem Stewart, who's the number one overall player in the 2026 class uh, on campus for a, uh, for a visit this weekend. So um, uh, I thought it was a great overall group. No commitments. Everybody always wonders why there's no commitments. Uh, anymore on uh, after junior days, and uh, I feel like that stopped about ten years ago. And you know, it's more of starting to build those relationships, those connections, letting uh, you know, letting them understand who's going to be recruiting them, and uh, you know, and then Alabama getting to decide if you know are these guys that we're going to continue to recruit moving forward and evaluate and go out and see during the spring. So uh, that's how things kind of started, and. Um, you know, I'm sure over the course of the next month, they're going to be evaluating a lot more kids via um, via film, uh, you know, looking at academics and stuff like that. And then, you know, then they'll get out on uh, on the road later this spring, but also bring a lot of kids on campus for the start of spring uh, start of spring practice. And lastly, Bone, uh, just how different is it now? Uh, 
we've we've acclimated to the new recruiting calendar, but this you know years ago this Wednesday uh, in first Fe- Wednesday of February was just electric. It was like a holiday. It was and and now it's it's almost uh, uh, you know it, it's it's just the afterthought really. And it's changed. It's changed a lot. It has. Um... You know, honestly, all the funds in uh, in December, and and we we carried that over into uh, into January with uh, with Nick Saban's retirement. But um, you know, it, it certainly has changed a lot. You know, there's only a few guys that you're kind of following. It's so it's sort of like a normal day for us uh, as far as content wise, uh, and then you know just following it, but. Yeah, the uh, the early signing period that started, I think it was back in 2017, uh, and it kind of gradually ended up pretty much being everybody signed in December. The, I felt like the, those first couple of years, it was like half the class would sign, and yeah. half of them would official visits in, in January. Then you'd have to kind of sweat it out until uh, until February, that, that first Wednesday in February. But now, uh, now everybody just kind of gets it done with. But, you know, like I said earlier, it, it's good that, there's not a even though that there is signing day today, it's good. There's not a lot of drama uh, on the Alabama end because you just don't have to worry about too much. And and we certainly could have uh, heading into this week. We uh, this class could have could have completely exploded once uh, Nick Saban was able to, uh, uh, or once Nick Saban retired, <coughs> it could have exploded. They could have been trying to scramble and add, you know, seven, eight more high school players that you know. We had no clue about uh, a month ago, but uh, they were able to kind of get everything settled in and you know kind of cherry pick uh, these last few guys. Which you know, getting two uh, two top 100 kids on your in your class today, uh, you know, pretty spectacular. Well, Bo, you spoke, you mentioned content. Plenty of it available at uh, at bamaonline.com. Absolutely, and we're not going anywhere. We'll have our uh, well, our mock 2025 class dropping tomorrow on on BOL, and and uh, we'll be moving forward. So uh, so get ready. So come check us out, BamaOnline.com. Thank you, Bone. Thanks, you. See ya. All right, Andrew Bone with Bama Recruiting Report. That's the way we started the show. As I said earlier, we got a jam packed show today. Though we've got uh, Matt Coulter on NASCAR coming up at ten. Bart Heights on hoops at ten thirty. Plus Nate Oates and Alabama basketball gets ready to face the Auburn Tigers tonight in a huge SEC matchup down at Neville Arena on the plains of Auburn. We'll hear from the head coach. who met with the media yesterday. All that and more coming up on the Gary Harris Show. Keep it dialed in right here at Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true southern flavor since 1947 and the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. After Alabama defeated Vanderbilt on Monday, the win gave head coach Christy Curry 500 in her collegiate career. 
She spoke with us on the radio after the win. So the Crimson Tide with this win, now 5-4 and four in SEC play. And I know you don't want to talk about yourself too much, but we have to mention this. 500 career victories for you in 25 seasons. Uh, just what does it mean to you to continue to lead this basketball program and reach another milestone? Well, I'm just more happy about the win tonight. You know, and it's always been about we over me. Um, you know, Kelly's been there every step of the way. So that's pretty special to me. But I think at the end of the day, it's about all the people. It's all the we's. You know, it's our players. It's our staff. It's the support staff. It's just for years, you know, I've been really blessed in administrations that have believed in us. And um, we're not done. So, you know, hopefully we can get a whole bunch more. And especially this year, I'm just most proud today of the way this kid, these kids won this game. That was an incredible effort down the stretch. I'll have more in a moment. Favorite jeans, favorite shirt. I can make a sausage and I'm firing it up, yeah. Everybody knows that's how I get my grill on. You can smell that flavor up and down the road. It's a little taste of heaven and everybody knows. It's how I get my grill on. Kanaka sausage. It's just a little taste of heaven. Join us tomorrow for Crimson Drive, driven by NASCAR. Streaming live at 2 p.m. Central on all C. Your best bet for big wins is just minutes away at Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner, too. Off I-459, exit 31, Derby Parkway. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa's high 67. For tonight, fair with the low at 40. Tomorrow, partly sunny, the high 62. Friday, mostly cloudy, a chance of showers by afternoon, the high Friday 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide. 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. Nine twenty-six. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide one hundred point nine FM, twelve thirty AM WTBC. Download the Tide one hundred nine app, or you can also listen to Tide one hundred nine dot com. And uh, glad that Bone could jump on with us and kick off the show. We had uh, Rigio had him at nine thirty, but he needed to go early, so we were able to get our national signing day coverage uh, right off the top. As Bone was discussing, it's not the same as it was back before the early signing period was put in. But like a lot of things in college sports. In the last few years, it has, uh, uh, you know, this has changed. And uh, now the, the February signing day is a little bit anticlimactic. But for Alabama, as Bone aptly pointed out, uh, this could have been a bad day. Uh, this could have been a day with nobody signing. And to, uh, to get uh, Reese, Williams, and Carter on board uh, is, is really, really good. And um, I think it's... Uh, it's a testament to Coach DeBoer and his staff what they've been able to do in a short period of time. And uh, Bone did say that uh, Alabama is still expected to have the number two overall class for 2024, which is what they were ranked before Nick Saban announced his retirement. So uh, some good stuff going on with Alabama football today. Also some good stuff going on tonight down at Neville Arena in Auburn. That is a six o'clock tip tonight, Central Time. So 
on ESPN2, Alabama leads the SEC at 8-1. and one. Auburn is right behind at 7-2. and two. But remember, Alabama has already beaten Auburn once. So if the Tide were able to top the tie, uh, top of the Tigers tonight, Alabama would have a two-game lead over Auburn and have the tiebreaker. Having won the head-to-head matchups, so Auburn would be not out of it by any means, but they would be behind the eight ball. So it's a huge game for both teams, particularly, though, for Auburn as they try to hold serve with their home court tonight. And uh, we've got Nate Oates' press conference from yesterday that we're going to play for you. Also, if you want to get involved in the program, the First and Main Condominiums hotline is open at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. Elite Recruiting, Tuscaloosa Tractor, and Houghton's Deer Processing. Win your shot at thousands of dollars in cash and prizes with the Big Old Buck Hunting Contest. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and for his clients. Remember M for money and Mezreno. If it has a logo on it, call me. 205-800-8000. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. Nine thirty-two. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. If you'd like to join us, you can call in on the First and Main Condominiums Hotline at two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. Maybe you have a score prediction on the Alabama Auburn basketball game tonight or how you think that's going to go down we'd love to hear from you we uh, are going to have more on that game now from the alabama perspective with the head coach nate oates who uh, met with the media yesterday before uh tonight's game and uh talked about what alabama needs to do to have success against a uh, very good auburn team on the road here's coach oates obviously a big game we've uh put ourselves in a good spot halfway through conference play but (coughs) can all uh, go backwards in a hurry if we don't come out and play well the second half of conference play I mean got three teams that are only a game back from us in the loss column so you know between Auburn, South Carolina and Tennessee they're all right on our heels so you know this this is a big game if, if you know if we don't win, we're tied first place. If we get a win, we can separate ourselves a little bit. Uh, you know, when we played them here, they did a good job with us. They uh, they came out, jumped on us early. I thought our guys did a good job coming back. 
Obviously, Ryland had a really good game. You know, we're going to have to play a lot better in a lot of ways because they, they play a lot better at home. I mean, they haven't lost at home all year. I think they're the only SEC team that still has, still is undefeated at home, so they play a lot better at home. So we're going to have to be better. But, you know, we got two good basketball teams, that, you know, both ranked in the top 20. This game's become a national-level game, not just big game in the state of Alabama. It's a big game in the state of college basketball across the country now. So I, uh, I'm i looking forward to it. It's one of the best environments, I think, in all of college basketball over there. That Their fans do a great job giving them a, a home court advantage and their players play up to it. So it'll be, it'll be a fun night uh, regardless of the outcome. But, you know, good. Two pretty uh, pretty even match teams going at it. Yeah, hey coach. Last night uh, you kind of spoke positively about Nick. Just where do things stand with him and his status? Yeah, he's uh, coming. He's been in practice the last two days, so he, he'll make the trip with us to Auburn. But he's gradually working his way back in. Coach, sticking back to before the season started, you think about the roster attrition, losing three assistant coaches to D1 coaching jobs. To get to this point to where you say you are in a good spot, how have you seen the program from the player side and the coach's side kind of grow and develop from the beginning of the year to now? Yeah, I mean, the the staff's chemistry has been good, but we still have to figure out, you know, who's better coaching this, who's better, you know, we've had two former head coaches in Austin and Ryan. So they, both of them obviously can coach both sides of the ball. They've, you know, we had to get a comfort level with that. You know, where does Preston fit in with everything? I mean, he's one of the best skill developers, talent evaluators, recruiters. He's also pretty good X and O coach that can, uh, he does a great job with the scouting report. So we, we, you know, we all had to kind of figure out what our niche was going to be. I think it took us a little while. We made some changes as to how we all did things there kind of at the end of non-conference play. You know, we and we scheduled tough. We always scheduled tough, so it's not like we were – we had five bad losses. We lost to five pretty good teams, and uh, only one of them was here at home. So, you know, it wasn't like the sky was falling, but we needed to make some changes. I think we, we – made some appropriate adjustments. I think the players had to figure out how to respond to me as a head coach. They Nine out of the 12 scholarship guys hadn't played here, had not played for me at all. So, you know, there was an adjustment there, an adjustment to playing our system, adjustment to playing with each other. And I, I don't want to act like it's not the same in a lot of places because there's a lot of turnover and a lot of rosters, but they have Dang near a whole new staff with that much turnover was was probably a lot. And, you know, I think we learned from our losses in non-conference. And if you don't schedule the way you do in the non-conference, I don't think you're ready to play the conference play like we were. So I think our non-conference schedule, even though we lost five games, still got us ready to play in league. Two for you. One, can you elaborate on some of the changes you guys made on the coaching side after non-conference play? And then two on Grant. How important was that first Auburn game and this kind of letting him see it and kind of try to build off that? Yeah, the, uh, the with the coaching staff, we, you know, I'd been kind of offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And, you know, initially we had 
Coach Pannone kind of take the defense, kind of a role similar to Charlie's. But I, I part of the reason I hired Ryan was, you know, I'd gotten to know him really well through a lot of offensive stuff. Like, and I think all summer and fall he had kind of helped institute the offense with, you know, he's obviously the one guy in staff that's much more tilted towards the X and O side. He's big video guys, been a head coach in the G League, been, you know, and Coach Claunch, when I had originally talked to him and kind of talked about maybe running the defense, but then Pannone's a lot, watches a ton of video, and we kind of thought maybe. So we started with Coach Pannone kind of running the defense, Coach Claunch and myself running the offense, and then Preston doing a lot with the um, personnel and scouts, kind of like we had Brian do. So we kind of just tried to match what it looked like the last four years around here. Well, it's not that cookie cutter. They're not. Coach Pannone still got a ton of offensive ideas because that's where his mind kind of goes, and I want him there. So I thought he was shooting kind of why I hired him to help us with the offense. So, and I think Coach Clonch and Coach Murphy, after you know, after seeing the way Coach Pannone and myself talk defense and what we wanted to do, got a lot higher comfort level. So we kind of went to a little bit more traditional where. Austin and Preston are splitting the scouts on the defensive side. I kind of flipped over to the defensive side more, let Coach Bowman and Coach Pannone take the offensive side. And part of it is, go back to when I was a high school coach, I would kind of train an assistant in as to how I want him to offense run, let him run it. I coach the defense. When the head coach is much more involved in the defense, they tend to take it a lot more seriously. When I get to decide who plays and who doesn't, playing time and, you know, all the other stuff, and I'm paying all the attention to the defense in practice. I, this was a group that our defense was pretty bad. I don't know how poorly it got in nine conference. It was down close to being 100. You know, I, we, we weren't going to win a conference championship with the defense being that bad. So I, I kind of flipped over there, let them know, like, if you're not going to guard and I'm paying attention to it every day in practice, I'm just not going to play you, period. And I'm going to be very aware as to who's focused in on the defensive end and who's not. I do think we made some strides on the defensive end. It's still nowhere close to where we want it to be. I mean, if you look at Auburn, you know, they're top 20, I believe, in both, shoot, I think top 15 in both offense and defensive efficiency. When you look at the metrics, we're still, you know, depending on, I think in raw offense, we're one and adjusted offense, we're two. And then our defense is still in the 50s. Like, we're trying to get our defense up you know, in the top 30, and we still got ways to go. But, you know, we kind of shuffled some things around. I think uh, the one thing I'll say about the staff is all of them are just whatever you need, coach, whatever. You know, they can all coach basketball, offense, defense, whatever. And so they let me kind of shuffle a few things around. And Coach Pannone watches more video than anybody I ever know, so he kind of still kind of as input on both sides of the ball as he's always going to have because he's pretty he's pretty educated on, on that stuff. All right, good stuff there from uh, Nate Oates, but we're going to break away to get out on the uh, First Domain Condos hotline, and uh, Tom is with us this morning. Hey, good morning, Tom. Gary, are you feeling any better, my friend? I, I, I am. I am um, I'm feeling a lot better. Thank you so much. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. 
You know, <clears throat> that's fascinating, uh, that uh, press conference with uh, Coach Oates. I mean, absolutely freaking fascinating. And, uh, you know, just how I, I, I'm thinking about my attitude about how I was with the team at, at, at the uh, front of the season. I was going, you know, we we playing big games, but we ain't winning none. I don't know what to think. This coaching staff ain't what the other one was. You, you remember all that crying? And um, so, but, it, it, you know, he pointed out that to lose that many players and a whole new staff, <laughs> when you think about all that, they've done a phenomenal job to be where we are, be the first place of the SEC right now. Is that crazy or what? Yeah, it's it's impressive. It's no doubt about it. I mean, you lost, uh, you know, basically your entire team, your coaching staff, and to be able to turn it over like he's done, I just go back to what I've said before about Nate Oates. I think in this day and age, he's the perfect coach for this era of basketball. I think that he understands how kids want to play. I think he understands the way that fans want to be entertained. I think he understands that you have to be willing to adjust your roster year to year. Uh, he knows how to use the portal. He's an excellent recruiter. And uh, he clearly has a system that, in addition to be, being entertaining and, and something that guys like to play in, it's effective, too. It, it's, it wins games. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it's coach of the year stuff. I mean, I didn't. And, and, and I don't know that they're going to win the league. Uh, but I didn't expect this Alabama team at the halfway point to lead the SEC. I didn't. I, I thought this was a team that was going to finish probably in the top six, uh, maybe even the top four. But I, I did not see it as an SEC championship caliber team. But as of right now, uh, that's what they are. And we'll see if they can finish it off. But it's been very impressive what they've been able to do. I, I agree with every bit of that. And uh, But, you know, I called in and, and, uh, and, and uh, Justin put me on, in position to hear the uh, – the, the press conference, and uh, and I thought, my God, this is impressive. And uh, he pointed out some things that's taking place this year. Of course, I already went over that. But, you know, the thing about it, if, if, if part of the fun of uh, sports radio, to me, is speculating about what could be and all that kind of stuff. And, for instance, if we go down there and beat Auburn tonight, at their home court. And, you know, they're already talking about Bama being uh, no worse than a four seed and all the way up to a two seed uh, based on what they've done so far. Now, I, I realize the wheels could be open. You'd have crazy stuff going on. But, uh, uh, you know, then you're looking at have an opportunity to play Tennessee at home, which would be monumental. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that Tennessee game could wind up being for the for the SEC championship. So, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, you, you know, right there with you, Tom. Uh, you know, we're, we're speculating on what this team can be. Uh, tonight, obviously, is a huge game because if Alabama loses tonight, then – you know, it brings everybody kind of back into it. Uh, obviously, Auburn's back into it. They'll be tied with Alabama. They'll have split the home-and-home -home series. Uh, you know, Tennessee is right there. If Alabama wins tonight and gets that two-game lead on Auburn in the head-to-head, -head, uh, it, it, it gives Alabama a little bit of a cushion. Now, clearly, Tennessee, 
is a team that's good enough to to run some, you know, run the table and uh, win all of their games in the league. I think they're that good. But uh, as you said, that that could mean that Alabama versus Tennessee could wind up being for the SEC championship. And I think if you're an Alabama fan, you'd love to have that opportunity based on again what we thought this team might do in the preseason. Then even though they were competitive, you know, you got to remember they lost, you know, they lost quite a few games prior to the conference schedule. I mean, they lost to Ohio state and they lost to Clemson and they lost to Purdue and Creighton and Arizona. So it wasn't like they were winning those games, Uh, but to get into the league and run the table the way they have, other than the game at Tennessee, uh, as you said, it's impressive and it's fun and it's exciting. And tonight's a big, big game. What do you, what do you make out of the, uh, what I threw out there as far as seeding in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think that uh, yeah, all their you know their Ken Palm, their net, all all the rankings that really matter are, are very high. And if Alabama can win the SEC championship, I, even if let's say they have you know wind up with the amount of losses that they can wind up with, they could still be yeah, I think it could be as high as a two seed. And um, you know that would be great because again, last year was the number one; they were number one seed. Uh, three years ago, they were a two seed. So, you know, if he could keep that streak going of being a high seed in the NCAA tournament and you're good enough, eventually you're going to kick that door in and make it to the Final Four. You just are. If you just keep – if you're good enough long enough, eventually you're going to make it. And that's kind of where Alabama's at now. I mean, they're due. They're due, Tom. You and I have talked about this. Going all the way back to to Coach uh, Newton in the 70s and Coach Sanderson and, and, you know, a couple of teams that Mark had and uh, now a couple of teams that Nate Oates has had. Alabama's had final four caliber teams on numerous occasions and, and did not make it. So, you know, you see some programs, they get, they get there one time and they make it. You got to give them credit. You know, there's every now and then there's these programs that they just, they have these Cinderella runs, but for most teams, it takes, it takes a while. And for Alabama, it's taken forever because <laughs> they've never done it. But I believe this guy is going to be the guy that gets Alabama to a final four. And now all of a sudden, uh, I believe this team has a chance. Last year, I thought for sure that team, um, I thought that team was going to go. And and I still think that, you know, had some things played out differently, that team that team would have made it to the Final Four. Uh, but they didn't. And, you know, so you try to come back this year and you and you look at after, you know, you lose Clowney and, and Betty Ako, uh, and then uh, Quinterly, because I knew everybody knew Miller was going to go. But I think, you know, during the season, we would have guessed that Betty Ako would be back that Clowney would be back, um, that Quitterly would be back, that Burnett would be back, and all of a sudden you lose all those guys, and you're thinking this year, hey, just be competitive. Just just get in the tournament. And now we're sitting here talking about the chance for a Final Four. It is. It's, it's good. It's remarkable stuff. It really is. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Tom. All right, we got to get to the break, and when we come back on the other side, Philip, we'll get to you on the first of main condos. If you want to pay more, that's your business. If you want to save, that's our business. Tuscaloosa Hyundai, corner of Skyland and Hargrove, TuscaloosaHyundai.com. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa size 67. For tonight, fair with the low at 40. Tomorrow, partly sunny, the high 62. Friday, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers by afternoon. The high Friday, 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine fifty two. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. And let's jump right back out on the first domain kind of any of the hotline and uh, visit with Philip this morning. Good morning, Philip. Yeah, you sound better. I know um, that, that whatever you got clobbered me last week and um I know what I had, and I feel for you, man. So I'm glad you're back. Thank you, buddy. Hey, um, that interview with Coach Oates, um, he, did, he did the best job I think I've ever, ever heard him do in an interview. I thought that was great. It was very interesting, and it just shows you that, you know, even even college basketball head coaches and, and guys, guys like that can make changes Right, got to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought that was something too. He just said, "Yeah, man, we had to tweak some stuff, new staff and new players, and uh, we had to tweak it." And 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 that's another thing about him. He's just so refreshingly candid, you know. And it's gotten him into some trouble at times. But when you ask the guy a question, he answers the question. You know, he doesn't sidestep it. He doesn't try to give you coach speak. He just, you know, you ask the question, he answers it. And you're right. He he broke it down a little bit. This is what we had to do uh, with our staff and our players during the season to get get to where we're at right now. I'm with you. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, um, uh, Gary, uh, William uh, Ryan's signing in a few minutes. I think it was important. Uh, Reese, are they all signing at ten Central Time? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I know that. Um, is Arizona, I can't remember, Guy, Justin and, and Phillip, if Arizona's Pacific time or Mountain time. I can't ever remember. Because Carter's signing at 8 a.m. Pacific or 8 a.m. Arizona time, which would either be 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock our time, so he may have already signed. Mm-hmm. Williams, I know, is at 10, and, and Reese may be at 10 as well. They may all three be at 10. Well, a heck of a job by that new staff, and, and I wish them all luck in the world. It sounds like he's – Getting some really diverse coaches together that know a lot about the, the the game and the sport, and I think I think you know I think a home run got hit. Well, I agree with you. <clears throat> so far, so good. Everything that I've seen from Coach DeBoer and this staff is that they're going to do a fine job and and keep it rolling here in Tuscaloosa, and uh, that's good news because uh, we know this. Everything is better in T town when football is in you know. A winner. <laughs> it's just the way it is. It may that may be uh, uh, some places they may say that's crazy, but football is such a big deal here that when football is good, everything in Tuscaloosa is better. And when football is not good, it's just not it's just not as good in life. So uh, yeah, I right. think they're going to keep it going, Philip. I really do. Well, Gary, I admire you, man. I know you feel like crap, but just hang in there, and, and uh, you'll you'll be better in a few days. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate your support. All right, we're winding it down for the first hour of the Gary Harris Show. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. A reminder, though, in the second hour, we're going to have uh, two guests. Matt Coulter is back. (coughs) 
for Matt Coulter on NASCAR. And uh, we had the Bush Clash this past weekend. We got Daytona coming up a week from Sunday. So we'll go ahead and jump into 2024 NASCAR season. And then at the bottom of the hour, it's uh, Bart Heights on Hoops. Not only do we have uh, Alabama and Auburn tonight, but we've got other SEC basketball to talk about. And that's coming up at 1030. So keep it dialed in here. The second hour of the Gary Harris Show is on the way. And uh, we're glad you're with us this morning. It's a beautiful day in West Alabama. Make it a good one. We'll be back with the second hour. select Sealy mattresses. See a lower price? We'll match it. The right mattress matters. We'll find yours. Restrictions apply. See store or website for details. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside... The new Cravings Value menu is here. Get it at Taco Bell today. At participating U.S. Taco Bell locations while supplies last. Contact store for price and participation which vary. Tax extra. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure... Fourth, get five quarts of Castrol Edge or Edge High Mileage Full Synthetic and an oil filter for $36.99, only at AutoZone. Claim based on Sequence 3 H test versus API SP test limits. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. In the NBA, the Timberwolves lost to the Bulls in overtime and the Thunder fell to the Jazz. So Minnesota and OKC have now fallen into a four-way tie atop the Western Conference along with the Clippers and the Nuggets. Elsewhere, the Suns edged the Bucks 114-106. Milwaukee is now 1-4 under Doc Rivers. College basketball, Clemson upset number 3 North Carolina in Chapel Hill 80-76. It was the Tigers' second-ever win over the Tar Heels. In baseball, Netflix announced a new docuseries following the Red Sox for the entirety of the upcoming season, similar to HBO's Hard Knocks. In the NHL, the Golden Knights snapped the Oilers' 16-game winning streak with a 3-1 win. And in the NFL, the Chargers have added former Michigan defensive coordinator Jesse Minter as the new D.C. in L.A. Greg Roman will be the offensive coordinator. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. 
In her state of the state address last night, Governor Ivy voiced support for the Alabama High School of Health Sciences to be located in Demopolis. She's also proposing a $7,000 voucher for families in need to send their children to the school of their choice and encourage lawmakers to pass a lottery bill giving Alabama voters the right to cast a ballot on gaming. Flags are at half staff at the Lawrence Mill Volunteer Fire Department in Fayette County this morning after 71-year-old firefighter Tony Baumgartner died yesterday while returning to the firehouse from a house fire. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM at 1230 AM WTBC. We're going to... Uh, Kick back off with our NASCAR segment with Matt Coulter here in just a moment. First, though, I need to tell you, this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, they do it right. They do it with feet on the ground right here in West Alabama. I think that's important. If you need a personal injury attorney, you need someone that's going to be here with you in West Alabama. That way, you can look them in the eye. You can meet with them in person. And even if you have to go to the courtroom, one of them will be in the courtroom with you. Paul is in Tuscaloosa. You can reach him at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Or you can reach them toll-free from anywhere, 866-507-9091. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we kick off another year of Matt Coulter on NASCAR this morning with... Uh, the longtime voice of the Talladega Super Speedway, longtime sportscaster in the state of Alabama. And we've been doing a NASCAR segment on here for several years now. And we're one of the few people that do it anymore. And we've had a really positive reaction to it. And with the clash having been run this past weekend in Los Angeles and the Daytona 500 coming up a week from Sunday, we decided to get Matt back on and start our segment for this year today. And may move Matt back to 930 as we go forward. But for this morning, we got him at 10 o'clock. Good morning, Matt. And Gary. I understand you're not feeling well. Appreciate you hanging in there and playing hurt. You all right? Yeah, oh, doggone flu got me. I I got through you know the entire month of January when it was really really going around and thought I had beaten it, and then over the weekend it uh, it hit me pretty hard. So, uh, but I'm on the downhill now. So feeling better. Been to the doctor and and uh, ready to go. And uh, gonna try to get back in the studio tomorrow is my goal. So. Uh, but glad you're with us, Matt. And, and uh, Clash, uh, I don't know if I like it being in Los Angeles or not. It's kind of weird to me that the Daytona 500 is your signature race. You start it off, and then you run the Clash out in Los Angeles. But uh, the weather out there in Southern California forced it to be moved up from Sunday to Saturday night. And uh, that wreaked havoc with some people's viewing habits. But uh, Denny Hamlin doesn't mind. He'll take it. He got the, he got the checkered. Yeah, he did, and, you know, I, I like the whole premise, and, and Gary, you and I and all the folks listening to Tide right now understand why. You know, they're trying to expand their audience, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's go to the West Coast. Let's let's race inside an iconic venue. Let's do something different and build a quarter-mile track. But it's tough to pass. It's, uh, it's a difficult race for 30 
23, 23 drivers in a quarter of a mile just still boggles my head because it's like a snake and the tail's about to reach the head. And mm-hmm. But it is what it is. I hate the weather change, as you said, everybody's plans. But I'll say this, and everybody knows I'm, I'm employed by Talladega and I work for NASCAR. I really miss the days of the Bush Flash at Daytona. Let me just say that. Yeah, I do too, because it just it just built so much momentum for the race, and uh, now here we are. We're you know yeah we're a week from Sunday we're having the race and it doesn't even really feel like um, it's here, but it, the momentum will ramp up now, and uh, you know it's again if you're not familiar with NASCAR, it's it's really the only sport that begins its season with its Super Bowl, the biggest. Uh, the biggest race of the year is the first race. Now we do have obviously the the championship at the end of the season, but the the Daytona 500 is the signature race. And Matt, as you look at 2024, um, just what are your expectations and just some thoughts on a new season of NASCAR as we get ready to begin it a week from Sunday at Daytona? Well, we'll start with Denny Hamlin. He's still searching for that first championship, and mm-hmm. certainly he, he bolted out of the gate. The 11 was back in victory lane, but can he hang on? He's always in contention to win it. He just never does. So that, I think, until that happens, Gary, that'll always be the lead story. But you can jump in right here because we followed the Chase Elliott saga all of last year. He missed six races with a snowboarding incident. Then he was suspended for an on-the-track incident. And... You know, can he rebound? We thought he would rebound after he returned, and he got a little better, but they didn't reach victory lane. And then another guy, you and I are both big fans of Brad Keselowski, and is he going to win for his team, for JFK? Um, It's been 62 races, if my memory serves me correct. 62, and Keselowski, how did he win, Gary? Three, four races a year, minimum? Mm -hmm. He's a championship driver. So I think that those are just uh, probably the top three stories, but you follow it pretty closely. Anything else? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Chase Elliott. I I think that, um, you know, Blaney broke through and won a championship. We'll get to him in a moment. But I think the biggest story, um, biggest takeaway from 2023, and, of course, Hamlin not winning the championship, but the biggest takeaway, I think, and the biggest story was Chase Elliott's fall from grace. I mean, you're talking about a guy in his prime, who we're talking about having a chance to win, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven championships to challenge Earnhardt and Jimmy Johnson and those guys. And I don't know how a comparison, maybe it's like Patrick Mahomes, you know, winning the, the Super Bowl and, and having a great year and coming back the next year and not even making the playoffs and, and not even making the Pro Bowl or something. I mean, it's just, it's unimaginable what happened to Chase Elliott last year with the injury and then his, his stubbornness in regards to what happened and how he, you know, he doubled down and said, Hey, I'm going to live my life off the track and enjoy it. And, um, after that, they were, they were an average team, Matt. I I still have not been able to wrap my arms around it, how that team accomplished as little as it accomplished last year. But you would think based on his competitive nature as a driver, that team, the resources that they have, how disappointing last year was, that they would come back this year with a vengeance. That would be my guess, but we'll have to see. Mine too. And and you bring out a point that, you know, if you want to go skateboarding or or snowboarding or whatever, 
that's fine. If you get hurt, well, that's part of it. But don't come out and kind of thumb your nose to the NASCAR fans by saying, I, I want to do what I want to want. This is the most popular driver year in and year out, following the footsteps of his father, Bill Elliott. So while I understand you want to live your life, probably best to kind of tap the brakes on just getting out there and brashly saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But I am 110% behind your thoughts there, Gary. He will be back. He may win the dang championship this year. I don't expect a Hendrick Motorsports car to lap back, and he's not going to do it. I almost promise you that. Yeah, I'd be I'd be shocked if he doesn't have a big year. We mentioned uh, Ryan Blaney, a guy that until last year, I had always said the thing about Blaney is I don't think the accomplishments have matched the talent level. And, uh, you know, you you hear people talk about how talented he is. Again, Penske's another team that has the resources, but kind of an underachiever. And then last year, all of a sudden, it was an okay season, and then he got hot down the stretch and, and uh, rode it all the way to a championship and elevated his status and his team status and now, like Elliot, he's still a young guy, very popular guy. And uh, it'll be interesting to see because every year, Matt, there's only one driver that has a chance to go back-to-back, and that's the defending champion. And this year, it's Ryan Blaney. Do you think he can make a run at another title? I think confidence is just going to be 100% with him. And you're right. I think he had the equipment. He has the ability. He has the lineage. You know, he and his dad are very tight. His father was a good NASCAR driver for years, for decades. Uh, um, I think he gets the confidence now to maybe stick it in there when he didn't before because he knows he can go out and win a championship. And you described his season perfectly because he was having uh, less by even his standard season. Uh, but you know what Paul Volta did in there was, was Brian winning at Talladega late. And when he did that, it was all, you know, wings up, to use flight term. And I fully expect him to be up there battling for it all. One other uh, topic I want to bring up is Chris Buescher. Uh, who would have thought he'd have won three races last year and been in contention for the championship for JFK, where Keselowski is? That's mm-hmm. the story more intriguing. But he's, as I've told you, I've had an opportunity to be around him. Just about every race he comes over and does interviews. He is one of the most likable guys out there. He's been running in the shadow for a decade. I love to see him out front, and I would love to see him be a contender again this year. He's a good driver. He's got a great team. And, you know, we're a lot like Kerry. I pull for the good guy. Oh, me too. Yeah, I I do too. Back to Hamlin, though, because as good as he is, um, we know how hard it is to win a championship, and some drivers – just don't do it. And they still go down as terrific drivers. You know, I think Hamlin felt like last year was his year. He just, you know, as good as he is, uh, Father Time waits for none of us. And uh, he's getting on up there. I mean, it, it's you kind of get the feeling it's now or never for Denny Hamlin, Matt. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of, he falls on the other side of the Chris Buescher line, in, in my opinion. But, yeah, it's just, you know, it's surprising that he hasn't won one. But uh, I'll go back to another guy that goes on the way on the other side of the fence is Robert Arthur Allison. Bobby Allison did not win a championship 
until 1983. 1983, he'd been racing since the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. It can happen late in life. It certainly did for Bobby Allison. I don't know what the keys are that go into the loss that make you – what has he got, four Daytona 500 wins? You know, that's, that's the crown jewel of the races, but you need to win the championship. Maybe it's this year, and maybe it all started at L.A. Coliseum. We'll soon see. We've watched this sport transition in the last few years, and to the to the what we would call young guns, or they're becoming veterans now. With the uh, Elliotts and, and Blaney's really not being that young anymore, and you know how much longer will Keselowski race? How much longer will some of these veterans race? And then you know this will be the first time in many many years without Kevin Harvick as he transitions to the broadcast booth. So uh, for guys, you know, I turned 60 this year and you're in your 60s. The link to the old school racing days are becoming shorter and shorter. There just aren't many of those guys left anymore. Yeah, and you know, it really puts the age on a guy like me. Is I remember when Harvick was a rookie. <laughs> so I remember when Hanlon was a rookie. So uh, it is relative. Uh, I, I think that uh, you can help me out here, Gary. I think the skill set, maybe that's physically and mentally, begins to diminish pretty early in, in the overall scheme of a lifespan. But 40, 45, they, not, many, not many racers go past that. But I, I do understand, and I don't think he's quite 45. Jimmy Johnson's planning on running some races this year. There's another story to look out for. Yeah, that's a great story. And and uh, I think it'll be exciting to to have him back. And he's one of those guys that I don't think he has any intentions of being a ceremonial driver. I think he'll come back with the idea of, of winning. Don't you, Matt? Bingo. You nailed it. Absolutely. I read an article just last week about uh, it was one of the more popular experienced NASCAR drivers. I wish I could give him credit. Said that uh, Jimmy Johnson's not only going to race, but he's going to win a race. And like you were just saying, wouldn't surprise me a bit. Because you know he's going to get a good equipment, and you know he's wanted every track on the circuit. <clears throat> Overall health of the sport, uh, where, where do you think it, it, it stands? We, you know, we know back in the, you know, the 70s and 80s, this was still more of a regional sport. But, boy, it was, it was beloved. And you had people in this part of the country that would, you know, they would tell you that it was right there with college football on their – you know, their viewing uh, menu as far as what was special to watch on television. You don't sense that type of rabid fan base in the Southeast anymore, but you sense a broader fan base around the country. And NASCAR is a more established sport. Uh, it's not as regionalized, but it's not, to me, it just doesn't seem to have quite the same passion. I mean, um, you know, NASCAR was all like professional wrestling at one time. Boy, I tell you what, if you you didn't like it, uh, you better watch what you say around somebody that did because they should yeah. be ready to fight you. So it's a different type of fandom now, but there's no doubt that the sport is more of a national sport. Would you agree with that? I would agree, and NASCAR's done a pretty good job in marketing in that direction. But it's still, uh, you know, it's a southeastern sport for the most part. But as far as the climate of NASCAR right now, I think what I'm going to do here is kind of carry a local flavor. Unfortunately, I don't think it will ever be like it was in the 70s and 80s when you had the Alabama gang because we don't have them anymore. And that's sad and it's tragic and I hate it. 
personal loss. But I have watched things over the past, well, 40 years from my viewpoint, Talladega. But just from a Talladega standpoint, I have watched Talladega grow since the pandemic. And every race, there are more people. Every race, there are more uh, fans from different parts of the country. Um, Talladega's growing. And, and I think the rest of the sport is, is growing. But I, I'll tell you one thing, and I don't mind throwing darts in the direction of Bristol, Connecticut. But ESPN used to be the premier coverage of NASCAR. They carried the races. They had the best announcers. They had the best mm-hmm. television crews. They ignore it now. Yeah, they they really back they really backed off once they lost the the broadcast broadcast rights to the races, and that's disappointing. You're right, Matt. I'm glad you pointed that out because that that is a, a very astute observation that when they were carrying the races, boy, they promoted it, they pushed it, they had on site reporters for every race, and it's like now, nope, you know, we don't carry any more. It's almost like it doesn't even exist. Hey, usually on Sunday night, it's a, it's a mention. Oh, by the way, the NASCAR race today at so and so. I mean, you're right. It's very disappointing. Well, and and that certainly hurts your national coverage. Uh, you know, they have the right to cover what they want to, but then again, you don't. You're supposed to cover what people like, and they will put a non, in my opinion, a non-sport up, and then they won't even cover. They're more likely to cover wrestling than they are to cover NASCAR. And, and I think that's very, very sad. But NASCAR has prevailed. They've got NBC, they've got Fox, and they're doing very, very well. But it should be on Sports Center every, every Sunday night. It should be on Sports Center, but it isn't. Well, next week we'll make our Daytona 500 predictions. So we're not going to do that this week because we've got another week until the race. But uh, it's here, it's back, another season. And Matt, uh, I'm so excited that you're going to be with us again, and uh, we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this every Wednesday, and, and probably going to look at moving you back to 9:30. But uh, thanks for coming on and kind of kicking off the, oh, the NASCAR season. Let's go get them. Thanks for having me on, Gary. See you soon. Thanks, Matt. All right, it's 10:19 here on the Gary Harris Show, and the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is uh, ready for you. Join now and start getting fit for the summer. Start, let's start getting fit for the rest of your life. Really, I mean, it's. You know, fitness is uh, one of the few things in life that you can't, you can get assistance, you can get good personal training, all that's available at the Y, fitness classes, but only you can put in the work. And um, that's one of the things about it. You can't, you can't fake fitness. You either put the work in or you don't. And the YMCA will help you be motivated to get the work in, whether, as I said, it's through their personal training or their fitness classes or all of the programs that they have available. Uh, they will give you the tools. They'll help you have the knowledge. And then that will motivate you to want to put in the work. And it's funny how it works. You know, you get in that first workout, you get tired, get worn out, but you go back and you do it again and you have a little more stamina. And then you get a little more stamina. And the next thing you know, you're rolling. And then you're like, man, this is fun. This is enjoyable. Uh, that's what the Y can provide you. It will provide you. The new Cravings Value Menu is here. Get it at Taco Bell today. At participating U.S. Taco Bell locations while supplies last. Contact store for price and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time. 3-1. That's 800-294-8831. What do you have to lose? 
Call 800-294-8831. Again, 800-294-8831. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky. Tuscaloosa size 67. For tonight, fair with the low at 40. Tomorrow, partly sunny, the high 62. Friday, mostly cloudy. A chance of showers by afternoon. The high Friday, 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Stay up to date with the Crimson Tide. Local high school sports and Bama in the pros right here. On Tide 100.9. Ten twenty four. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Let's jump out on the Krispy uh, Kreme Donuts Hotline and talk with Roland this morning here on the show. Good morning, Roland. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Good. Sounds like you. I've got what you had, but um, I'm oh lord, not going to get rid of it. But um, what I wanted to talk about was a lot of people talk about how many losses the basketball team has. But you got to consider that um, you know we only had other than. Um, Tennessee, we're, not, we're talking about non-conference losses. Uh, we only had two that were over 10 points. One of them was by, uh, what, by, nine, uh, by 11. One with the Arizona was by 13. Uh, the others were like three, six, eight. We, uh, not we, uh, the um, Clemson beat us here uh, by eight points. And they got, and they just manhandled, I thought, watching North Carolina last night. Um the, they played really well and beat North Carolina in North Carolina. So you consider that, you know, the losses, we, we've gotten better on, you know, especially our defense has. And the other thing that I wanted to tell you was that, um, you know, you look back at this thing with Coach Oates, he had almost a staff and team. When, they, when he came here uh, this fall, the coaches didn't know the other coaches. They might have known them, but they had worked together. Uh, the coaches didn't know the players. They'd never worked with them. The players didn't know the coaches. They hadn't worked with them. Most of the players hadn't played with the other players, which I think is really important. So to do that with all those things going against you, he's done a remarkable job, in my opinion. Well, I, I think you're right on. And uh, Clemson, you know, I pull for them every game they play now. And you're right, beat at North Carolina last night on the road, only the second time ever that Clemson won at North Carolina. So, you know, they should have beaten Duke. So, you're right. Alabama lost to good teams. They were competitive in the, every one of those games. Even those two games they lost by double digits, they weren't double-digit type losses. Alabama was in those games the whole way. And they have gotten better. And the chemistry is getting better. And we ran a clip from Coach Oates earlier in the show talking about tweaking things during the season, not with just the players, but with the coaching staff. So, I'm with you. This team is uh, – is getting better and better, and they have a chance to be playing their best basketball at the end of the season, which is what you want. You want to be playing your best going into March. Last year's team, as good as it was, and it was it was great. Um, you know, they had some issues. Brandon Miller was not 100% physically, and they got into that NCAA tournament, and they just didn't play well. Even though they won the first right. few games, they were not playing their best basketball. And hopefully this team will be playing its best and get on a run and make a deep run in March. Yeah, they're playing well. We just got to get ready for Tennessee. Well, ready for Auburn Saturday, uh, I mean tonight, but also get ready for Tennessee when they come rolling in there. 
I listen to your show every day. Love it. Thank you, Roland. We we appreciate you, man, very much. All right, uh, we're going to get ready for our final uh, guest interview, and it's always a good one. Bart Heights on Hoops will join us to preview tonight's Alabama-Auburn basketball game. We'll look back at Ole Miss and South Carolina from last night. And we'll, you know, of course, that Kentucky and Vanderbilt last night as well. But the uh, rest of the SEC schedule for tonight. Hunting and fishing, Stacy Perkins, Modern Woodmen of America, and Riverside Feed and Seed. When you're shot at thousands of dollars in cash and prizes with the Big Old Buck Hunting Contest. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty-one. It's time for Bart Heights on hoops here on the Gary Harris Show, and uh, what a schedule we've got for tonight. Good morning, Bart. How is how are you? I'm doing very well, Gary. How are you this morning? Battling to get over the flu, but uh, but uh, on the downhill now. So. Yeah, I've been through the been through the roughest part of it, but it's uh, not been any fun. We are going to have some fun tonight uh, down at Neville Arena. I mean, when you look at this matchup between Alabama and Auburn, um, Janai Broom has already come out and had the it's personal for me statement. I've never really quite understood what that means when someone says that. I, so you're going to play harder because it's personal than you normally would? I don't really know what that means per se, but we know this, uh, that Alabama's in first place in the SEC and the Tide has already beaten the Tigers once. And if they win tonight, they'll have a two-game lead plus the tiebreaker over Auburn. So... Uh, it's important for both teams, but if Auburn's going to win the SEC, I'm not going to call this a must-win, but it's very, very important for them to hold uh, home court and uh, get that win tonight down at uh, Neville Arena. Uh, must-win if you want to get in that mix of the SEC. It's going to be between three teams, in my opinion. You know, it's trending four. you got to put South Carolina in this conversation now, whether people believe or not. I'm a believer. Um, they just keep winning close games and keep playing well, so they'll be there. Tennessee is obviously going to be there, Gary. They're, they're talented. They're physical. Um, they're starting to kind of maybe hit their stride offensively as a team, and they're more diverse now. The, the older guys, the Gordovescovy stepping up. Auburn needs to win this game because he can't get swept. Um, chances are Alabama's going to be there. Um, that schedule, it gets tougher for Bama, but it's doable. I don't think Alabama's going to lose more than four games that Four is kind of the number, and if someone messes around and just loses three games in the league, um, but you know, also it could it could sneak into two or three teams having four losses. But that tiebreaker that you talk about, regardless of it being rivalry, that's the biggest implication tonight for those league title uh, implications. But I, you know, it's just it's crazy to me that we sit here and we can all honestly say now. Um, the SEC road to a championship in the in the in the league goes through Alabama right now, and that is uh, that that is unbelievable when you're talking about it involving two programs. Huge game uh, down the plains tonight. What do you think about the matchup tonight? I mean, when Auburn came in here to Coleman Coliseum, they did a lot of good things in the game. I, I, in fact, I thought game plan wise, they out executed Alabama, but um, Alabama found a way to win that game at home. What does Auburn need to do tonight to reverse the outcome? Who's going to be that third guy, fourth guy for Auburn? And they typically get that at home. 
Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be scoring. I think Baker Mazzara is huge for Auburn, the energy he brings on the wings. He can rebound. He's a matchup problem. He can guard multiple positions. Cardwell is huge for Auburn because of the size he brings in defensively when it allows Broom to take a rest. But Jalen Williams is, is the biggest key, and I thought the job that Nate Oates did, we had talked about it here just you know before that Alabama game in Tuscaloosa, how important I felt like Jalen Williams had become. He's averaging 14, 15 points a game. Well, since that, since that Alabama game, the game plan Nate Oates you know, utilized, forcing him right a lot, bringing some doubles uh, or some sneaky, some sneaky defensive looks as he starts driving gave Jalen Williams some problems because Jalen Williams is not the greatest off-two-feet player. And when you bring doubles, he can, sh- he can shoot it, he can finish, those type things. But it, it confused him a little bit, and some other teams have done it. Jalen Williams has to get going, especially early for Auburn. Gary, I think free throws tonight are going to be a huge deal. You know, you say the home court all, it gives you three or four points. Well, in the Auburn-Alabama game, it gives you seven or eight. That means whichever team can extend, you know, a free throw make, get you know, eight or ten more free throw makes than the other team. I know you're here to talk about it. But especially in rivalry games, it's kind of like third down. And, and turnovers always matter in basketball, but it's like third down. Man, you got to get third down conversions to win games in football, and you got to make free throws, especially down the stretch. I like Auburn tonight, Gary. Um, I think I think this team feels like they have something to prove. But make no mistake, um, as long as Grant Nelson's guarding people one on one in the post, and he is doing a phenomenal job. Alabama's got four shooters on the floor that can guard three, four different positions on the other end. This is Nate Oates' best fit as far as personnel um, that we've seen, and that's why you're seeing him score all these points and win all these games. They get Nick, Nick Pringle back tonight off suspension, and um, that's another big body inside that you need uh, when you play at Auburn. So I don't know how many minutes he'll play, but with Wagee's, you know, foul-prone nature, which he's the most foul-prone player, I think, in the country in regards to fouls versus minutes played, uh, Pringle could, could help them tonight, don't you think? Bart? He definitely could help them tonight. And so that matchup, it's a great point, Gary, that you he and Cardwell will face each other a lot. Pringle doesn't like really want to be that five guy. I think that's been somewhat of the risk, maybe. Um, but he's gonna need to be tonight and he'll be a little rusty. You know, do you expect him to catch and finish at this these these rivalry games, Gary, they're so physical and so fast, man. And like speed of the game, I'm anxious to see you know, d- 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 does he have a good feel when he catches the ball? Can he finish when he goes up to get rebounds? Can he get them securely? Um, those will be big things for Nick tonight. But, yes, he's huge. If you could get, you know, 12 to 15 minutes out of him tonight and get, you know, maybe eight points, five rebounds, get a couple of fouls on the other team's bigs, that's where he could be big is in those post touches to where he possibly could score down around the rim or get fouls on Auburn's bigs. That's a good, good point, Gary. Uh, something good to look at tonight and watch. For these two head coaches, um, both, you know, high profile now, and, and this rivalry has been amped up since Oates got here. And, of course, Pearl took Auburn from the abyss and what he's built there. But Nate Oates is 6-3 and three against Bruce Pearl. And you have to consider that when Nate Oates got here, Auburn was rolling. And, um, you know, Pearl had early success. This is an important game for Bruce Pearl as far as this rivalry is concerned, in my opinion. You you, you fall down seven to three to Nate Oates with what Oates is building here, and uh, that's not a you know a good look for Auburn and their head coach. This is a big game for the the coach of the Tigers, if you ask me. It, it's a sneaky good point, and if you look at who's Alabama's, in your opinion, who are Alabama's biggest rival? 
in basketball. Obviously, Auburn. That Mississippi State rivalry over the years has been very, you know, prominent. Um, those two, those two in particular, Nate Oates has owned those two rivalries right now. Um, especially last, you know, last year, State was on the come up, but Auburn's been good this whole time. I wasn't expecting this team and Nate Oates to like just lose three coaches. I've actually got Charlie's game tonight, Georgia Southern down at South Alabama, uh, on ESPN Network, small plug. Uh, plus, but I, I don't, I didn't expect this, man. You know, especially you don't have that high profile, you know, Brandon Miller, um, first round clowning type, but, but Sears and the guys that he's just put different people together. And when I say that this could be <laughs> best fit, Gary, that's scary, man, but you're exactly right. Bruce Auburn, Bruce is going to be there as long as Bruce wants to be there, but the only thing that there's not really anything Auburn fans could 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 go at Bruce with for what he hasn't done, except beat Alabama or except beat Nate Oates more than uh, than that. Because I think Bruce might be ahead of Alabama in the overall. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's close. He may be a couple ahead. But Nate Oates, absolutely, man. I mean, he just keeps doing it. And how about the shot he takes? You know, at the small arena, he knows what he's doing, man. He's not, he just, he loves it, man. It's good for college basketball. Like him or don't, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a guy that's like really interested in watching his philosophy on things because his kids play with an edge. That's how he does his interviews. That's how his sense of humor is. He's a Northern guy. Southern people are not 100% used to all that. Right. He's making ways. And so, I mean, yeah, keep winning, man. Um, tonight, I think it'll be tough. But if he goes in there and wins tonight, Gary. I mean, goodness. I mean, who's, who, what can this Alabama team, what, where do we put their ceiling? You know, you, I think it's the hardest place to play in America. I think Alabama's, you know, trending that way. But you go to Neville Arena win, Auburn undefeated, um, and, and continue, you know, get two-game lead in the SEC, be special night for the time. Oh, no doubt about it. Be a huge win. Tennessee, I still think, is the most complete team in this league. They get LSU tonight, and uh, LSU's kind of gotten sneaky good, but um, I, I heard what you said earlier about Tennessee, and, and I agree. This is this team's got everything. They've got experience. Obviously, they got a good coach. they got depth. they got defense. They've got some shooting. I mean, I still think Tennessee's the most complete team in the SEC. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Um, I would also well, – I mean, if you look at the numbers, though, man, what Alabama's doing on the boards, um, and <laughs> most complete, yes, but they can still, but not offensively all the time. They haven't quite proven that consistency yet, especially on the road. Tonight's at home, um, you know, and LSU, what's happened to people when they've gone to Tennessee, Gary, is they've just been stifled offense. They've just been guarded. Um, the officials obviously let LSU play very far. Right. But, you know, they scored 95 points at home against Arkansas in their last outing. What happens with LSU, I like LSU when they get and when they run. Um, I mean, they had Baker Baker forward that goes 9 for 11, makes four threes, stepping out the other day. When that third score for them is really good, I mean, Wright has been just dominant all year. But I, I think LSU is a team that will win some games and be in the mix to cause havoc, but I think they're right below that line of bubble now. Tonight are opportunities that you have to go and take advantage of. You're going to get a few of them, um, but those wins will add up. I mean, look at a Clemson that goes to North Carolina and wins, and then you've all, oh, by the way, I've got a win at Alabama in my bag. You know, So LSU has got some wins, but this one would be huge. I just don't, I don't see it, man. Um, I, just, I feel like Tennessee at home 
They play with a, with a better confidence, um, a more physical dominance, uh, and that's been very difficult for teams to overcome. Bart, uh, your Mississippi State Bulldogs, and I was there Saturday night. Um, mm. They got dismantled <laughs> against Alabama. I, I was I wasn't surprised. Obviously, that Alabama won the game. I was surprised at how dominant the win was and how Alabama held their own on the backboard, and it just really, I thought, broke Mississippi State's spirit in that game. Mississippi State still, I think, is trending well for the NCAA tournament. But this is a game tonight against Georgia. They they need to get this one now. <laughs> they don't need to drop a home game to oh, Georgia yeah. if they're going to, you know, keep their hopes for the NCAA tournament where they are at the, at the current time. Big big game in Starkville. Huge game in Starkville, and oh, guess who's coming back to town? Michael White, who knows Starkville right. well. He had some success there uh, as a player. Has had success as a coach um, in uh, in Stark Vegas. Uh, yeah, it's a big game for State. It is a sellout. I love that. You don't want to lose the fan base and lose the crowd. Yes, they're trending into the tournament. I'll tell you, when DJ Jeffries uh, was hurt the other night, that he's he's kind of uh, behind the scenes. Um, he's one of those leaders, man, just quiet leaders. And that really kind of broke the spirit, um, I think, of State as well. But don't, don't, don't get, get it twisted. It was Alabama. Um, the analytical system of how Nate Oates you could see it. He wanted to shoot as many threes as he could because he felt like that his team could go get offensive rebounds, which they did, 122-11. Um, and then those pitch-it-out threes on the offensive rebound, those are haymakers, man. Those are like throwing just big left hooks and landing them. Alabama did that. And when Tolu Smith demands the touches he demands, Nate Oates is banking on if Granico Nelson can guard him, you know, showed him to 50%. You're probably going to get 50 or 60% from the line when you foul. And Tolu's not going to outscore um, Alabama with all three-point shooters. And so the, the, the styles, uh, I just don't think State's really figured out. Um, Naoks' style, when they're winning that hard-hat award against State, they're going to make more threes. It's going to be hard for State to win. But circle the wagons, go back to your game. Georgia's a grinding team. I think the three-point shot is so huge tonight um, because State has been making a few at home. And Georgia can really light it up and make threes in a hurry. How State defends that three-point shot and also keeps Georgia off the glass, I think, is a huge deal for State at home. I expect a very low-scoring game here. You know, maybe get you know, just creep into the 60s. Um, you know, and then hopefully my Bulldogs can uh, can can get back to that effort we've seen at home because Chris Jans has been challenging them. Obviously, uh, I like I like the Mississippi State Bulldogs tonight, but I do think it could be a close game. We're going to skip over A&M and Missouri just because, you know, it, it just doesn't have a lot of interest. Last night, though, in Columbia, uh, South Carolina, you mentioned the, the Gamecocks. They have to be taking a, a serious contender for the SEC championship. They held off Ole Miss. Ole Miss, to their credit, fought back and had a chance to win that game. But, you know, that's what good teams do. South Carolina, once Ole Miss made their run and got there with a chance to win, South Carolina hit a couple huge shots down the stretch and, and got another, another uh, W. Yeah, and it's the, one of the first times we've seen Ole Miss in a close game not make good decisions, especially the guard play, especially at the end, um, trying to draw a foul, maybe had another, mm-hmm. maybe got foul. But South Carolina just keeps doing it. I mean, uh, Lamont Parrish has got it going. Uh, that's very obvious. But I've been saying it for like two or three weeks. I told Ron Slay, I texted him a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I'm telling you, Murray Boyles is the most important freshman to his team, including Josh Hubbard, including – um, the kids at Kentucky, that kid, like you get, all he does is make his first six shots. Um, has 15, 16, 17 points. Had the huge block 
um, the, at the end uh, when Ole Miss was making that run uh, to block the seven foot three or four sharp. That kid's really, really, really coming on. He'll be freshman All SEC, if not one of the newcomers of the year in the conference. They can shoot the basketball. Cooper's playing at a high level on both ends. They really need to get Michi Johnson back, but that, that's the thing. They've been doing this without Michi, um, and Studi's been hurt. So they've got they're deeper than you think. Asuku can come off the bench as a freshman and make threes. He's done that a couple of games. I like this South Carolina team. They get stops. They had like. I think, like, in the last five minutes, Ole Miss might have scored one trip. It was that uh, shot by Flanagan. So, you got to pay attention to the Gamecocks, man. They are in that top-tier conversation in the SEC because they just flat-out keep winning. And Kentucky last night uh, beat up on Vanderbilt, as, as a lot of people have done. And, uh, again, I hear coaches around the league just always praise Jerry Stackhouse and his sets and, and, and what he's running. But Vanderbilt's got a proud basketball tradition. I just – can't see him coming back next year. What do you think? Man, he's got a really good relationship with his AD. Um, and I know a lot of people in Nashville are in that circle. Um, and he, it's positive. I mean, people are behind him. They want Stack. Cause Stack's awesome, man. Anybody, if you've met him, um, he, he's just, he's a really down to earth, really good guy. And, but that doesn't keep a job. Um, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I threw this out there about a month ago. Something for people to keep an eye on. Okay, especially in this rivalry night, and people are gonna say, "No way, he could." Just what? Stephen Pearl played at Tennessee, Gary, um, for his dad, Bruce Pearl. Um, right. Very close in Nashville. He spends a lot of time <clears throat> in Nashville. If something were to happen, um, I could possibly see that being the first job that Stephen Pearl possibly might go after. Uh, wow. Just, I, I'd like to be the first one to go on that. It's a long shot. It's like these, these Super Bowl props and stuff. But I just, I'm telling you, I agree with you where I'm going with this. is I don't think he'll be there next year. I don't think Stack will survive this. What have they won, five games, six games, seven games? I mean, it's just beating Missouri at home is not enough in this league as everyone else is trending upward. Even Missouri, even though they've lost games, they've got a top recruiting class in the country coming in next year. What Charlton Young is, uh, gets his assistance put together. So, yeah, just a little nugget there that, uh, that that I think folks might like to keep an eye on. Interesting tidbits as always, and you've already let us know you'll be on the call tonight uh, down at South Alabama. So you're uh, staying busy as, as always. I am headed uh, headed south, uh, leaving out of Winfield. Now, and just a little shout-out here for all you Tide fans. I am sitting on the side of Highway 129, almost getting on I-22, looking at a bunch of beautiful Tiffin vans. Uh, How about that? Right here in Winsfield, Alabama. I think I may get me one and just go cross-country and do basketball, Gary. Well, I think that's what you ought to do. I said that last week. You just need to get you a home on wheels, man, and then you're at home wherever you go because you're somewhere different every day. I, I really think that's something you ought to look into, pal. I'm going to probably do it one of these days. And, hey, I want to apologize. I was not able to put together that Tuscaloosa area game. Uh, that's okay. Enough. With, me having to, with me having to flu, it probably was Worked out uh, worked out well. Thank you, Bart. Well, you're my man. I appreciate you, brother. All right. Talk to you soon. Good stuff from Bart Heights here on SEC Basketball. It's 1049. We'll take a break and come back and uh, wrap up the show. We'll have time for some phone calls, though, on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. And before I get to the break, I want to mention to you, T-Town's been to T-Town. <coughs> Every now and then, a stuff to call. T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Uh, two great stores in one. All the terrific menswear to make you look your best and that unbelievable 
one-of-a-kind collection of Alabama football memorabilia, all under one roof, Detown Gallery. And- Adjustable base with select Sealy mattresses. See a lower price? We'll match it. The right mattress matters. We'll find yours. Restrictions apply. See store or website for details. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events. Chiropractic, the only third-generation chiropractor with over 26 years' experience in Tuscaloosa. Call Tidwell Chiropractic at 752-2503. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Another beautiful day today with a sunny sky, Tuscaloosa size 67. For tonight, fair with the low at 40. Tomorrow, partly sunny, the high 62. Friday, mostly cloudy, a chance of showers by afternoon, the high Friday 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Did you miss any episode on Tide 100.9? Don't worry. All of our shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Music and on demand on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1053, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Winding it down for another program. Back tomorrow at uh, 9 a.m. And uh, hopefully I'll be back in the studio tomorrow. We'll we'll see how it goes. But that's, uh, I'm hoping too. But uh, in the meantime, we've been able to do the shows from home this week and make sure that nobody, um, you know, gets sick from me being around. So I want to thank Justin, of course, for his help in, in getting us through. Good show today. I want to thank Andrew Bone, Matt Coulter, Bart Heights. Um, Ryan Williams has indeed signed with Alabama. He had his signing ceremony this morning at 10 a.m. at um, Sarah Land High School and uh, inked with the Crimson Tide. So a guy that um, a lot of people were concerned about Alabama losing in the end, inked with the Crimson Tide. And uh, gives Alabama a big shot in the arm as far as this uh, second signing period. Joining Noah Carter from Peoria, Arizona. And uh, Quentin Reeves, the linebacker out of Ramsey High School in Birmingham. As the three signees for Alabama football on this second signing period Wednesday. And of course Alabama will turn its attention to the 2025 class full speed and the 2026 class. But uh, this 2024 class is going to go down even with Nick Saban retiring and with the coaching transition. Looks like he could wind up still finishing number two in the national recruiting rankings, which is where it was set to finish before Saban retired. So you have to give Coach DeBoer and his staff credit for holding this class together and um, doing a good job of getting it to the, to the finish line. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for today. A reminder that uh, T-Town Sports Daily is coming up next at 11 a.m. until noon. That'll be followed by the Miller's Edge from noon until 2. And then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game this afternoon from 2 until 6. We'll crank it all back up in the morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. with the Martin Houston Show. Wimp and Barry inside the locker room from 7 until 9. 
And then I'll be back from 9 until 11 tomorrow with the Gary Harris Show. So for Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys of Law. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful weather, and I'll talk to you again in the morning. to the